Here we go. You are listening to Law and Gospel Open Mic Friday on this February the 12th in the year of our Lord 2021. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. And so we're going to be dealing with an email I received that fits pretty well with the last two broadcasts of Law and Gospel. On Wednesday, I spoke about the lack of discipline in a lot of churches. I mean, when was the last time you ever heard of someone being excommunicated? It's not that you have to excommunicate to be a church, but I can't but believe that there are a number of situations where such discipline is necessary in most churches, whether you have people living together before marriage or living a lifestyle that is immoral and there's no repentance. Then yesterday with Wes Reimnitz, we expanded on that, showing that Jesus himself disciplines in a way that is negative when you do a sin. And that's why there's so much turmoil right now in the world, and so much discontent, and people don't realize that that's coming about because of God. And that is his plan, to bring discipline to us in order to wake us up to the fact that we are not living a proper life, repent of our sins, and receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. So, got an email, and it indicates that divorce rates are soaring during the pandemic. And it reads, For many of us, the pandemic has been filled with stress and anxiety. It has also added enough challenges to shake up even the strongest relationships. Couples are having to navigate through financial hardships, health and safety concerns, too much togetherness and homeschooling, just to name a few. One major legal contract creation site recently announced a 34% increase in sales of its basic divorce agreement. Wow, 34% increase. So divorce is growing because of the pandemic. And the church can do something about that. Now, there are groups, uh, one of them is Promise Keepers, that attempts to bring about renewal through a global movement that calls men back to courageous, bold leadership. It's a nonprofit organization. It's not affiliated with any Christian church. It opposes same-sex marriage, champions chastity and marital fidelity, and the man is being head of the household. Well, you can understand that that has made promise keepers not very, shall I say, happy with the Organization for Women now, uh, American Feminist Organization. 
they express the view that the promise keepers pose a threat to women's women's rights. And they say the promise keepers encourages inequality within marriages and teaches a doctrine of male superiority. Now, Promise Keepers Chairman Ken Harrison said, we're really calling men to be humble, proactive leaders in their homes. I don't feel like it's my role to tell women how they should be. That is for their pastor and other people. Now, the group has been criticized uh, by a actually president of the South Dakota District of the Lutheran Church a Missouri Synod, a former president, who commented that promise keepers use the Bible in a very simplistic form, a springboard to jump into the law. So we are not recommending promise keepers for troubled marriages. What we're recommending is to go to your pastor, hopefully in the Lutheran church, Uh, and the conservative Lutheran Biblical Church, Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, who should be able to get you some help. So what I want to talk about is the need for pastors to do premarital counseling. Now, I don't mean by that that you try and figure out whether people are suitable for each other in doing a marriage. There's just too many factors allowed. I remember some years ago, Ann Landers had a set of columns about problems in a marriage because how the toilet paper was put into its slot. Is it where you pull it from the top or you pull it from the bottom? And why can that become a problem? because a lot of people like to follow the way their parents lived. And so if parents did it one way and then their spouse does it another way, it's almost like a challenge against the parents and a criticism of the parents. So there are a lot of things that can lead to disturbance and a pastor is there to help out. So I'm going to give a little advice here as to pastors who are preparing for a wedding. You know, the couple will often meet with the pastor to discuss a marriage ceremony, uh, to discuss how the marriage is going to go in the church. And I'm assuming here we're talking about members of the particular church. Now, I had a policy that became very helpful that before meeting with the couple together, I would meet with each one separately. Now, why would I do that? I did that because I don't believe there should be any secrets that one person has and will not tell a person they're about to marry. And so just saw a movie recently where a man was married and wonderful wife, two children, but he worked at a bar that was also a hotel. 
And a lady said that her jewelry was stolen. So the police began to examine the people who were in the hotel rooms and the employees. And they found out that he had been arrested for stealing jewelry many years before he married his wife and spent three years in prison. So they came to the house to talk to him about it. And the family was eating dinner. And they said, well, we need to talk to you. Let's go outside and talk privately. And the wife interrupted and said, no, no, I want to hear why you are here. And I want to hear his answers. And of course, they said, well, you've been in jail for stealing, for thievery. And she looked at him. She said, you have been? She had no idea that he had been a prisoner. And she told him she was really angry that she no longer trusted him and wanted him to leave. Well, he was so despondent having to leave his family because he had not done any crime since he had been let out of jail that he attempted suicide. Fortunately, it was unsuccessful, and the wife came at the hospital, and they reunited. It was pretty good. But it showed you don't keep secrets from one another. That's something that has to be discussed with each partner. For instance, there are people who get married, and they've been married two or three times before, but they don't tell their future spouse. So you can imagine what happens when that is found out in a marriage, and people are not happy with that. Or they may even have had a former partner that they weren't married to. If you listen carefully to the marriage ceremony in a church, the pastor will begin by saying, we're here to unite these two people in holy matrimony. Well, people who are living together outside of a proper marriage are living in unholy fornication or even adultery. And the church really needs to speak to that. There are times when the pastor needs to take a pretty strong stand. And I'll give you some examples. For example, one situation is the wife came in. She and her husband were members of the church, but he was taking drugs and it was really making an impact on their marriage, obviously. She did not take drugs, he did. So I called both of them together, and he did admit to me that, yes, I take drugs, I even sell drugs. And we explained to him that this was breaking up their marriage, and he indicated he loved his wife and did not want the marriage to be broken up. Now, you hear a lot of churches say that what goes on between pastors and members is confidential. I do not agree with that. You don't agree with that? No. 
because I believe that you need to follow the commandment. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. But in the Roman Catholic Church, for instance, you can tell a priest in confession that you killed someone. He can't do anything about it. He can't go to the police or anything because they have a very strict understanding of confidentiality. I believe that sometimes you have to tell others, but it needs to be done in a way that is appropriate. So the husband had brought in some drugs and it was a needle and some items. And he gave them to me and said he would attempt to stay off the drugs. And I said to him in front of his wife, there's a location here in St. Louis. It was a hospital where they have a drug treatment program. And I said to him, I'm expecting you to phone them very soon, get involved with the drug treatment program. And if you haven't done that within a month, I'm going to call the police and tell them that you are on drugs. Well, he went into the program and by God's grace, got off of drugs and they have a happy marriage. Did I have the right to tell the police? In fact, uh, a, a lot of uh, people don't realize that if a confession occurs, say by a parent who's a pedophile, namely fooling around with his little children, by law, the pastor is to phone the police and tell them that. So when I was ordained, I did not make a promise where everything that was said was confidential. And yet there are times when that got me in real problems because I had a situation where, for example, I knew something, but I couldn't say it because the person didn't want me to tell anyone, but I still had to take some action. The example I'm thinking of in meeting with the male who is going to marry his engaged one, he told me he had AIDS. Now, I said, have you told your future wife? He said, no, I'm not going to tell her until after we're married. I said, that's not appropriate. And therefore, I said, I will not marry you unless you tell her this. Well, he went back and told her that the pastor won't do the marriage. And she, of course, didn't understand. Her father was a kind of important officer in the church. And so he came and visited me and said, why aren't you doing the marriage? And I said, I'm sorry, I don't believe I can tell you that. So I was keeping the confidentiality in that situation because it was really up to him to tell his wife to be. And when she asked me, I wouldn't tell her either. I said, just go talk to him. 
Well, they had had arrangements for the wedding. They had already told people what the date was going to be. And here was the pastor refusing to participate in the wedding. So what were they going to do? Well, the pressure came upon the future groom in such a way that he decided to tell his wife. She was shocked and she could not trust him and she broke off the marriage. And it then became public telling her father why she could not marry him. Not because he had AIDS, but because he was going to keep that from her until after they were married. I mean, a person with AIDS needs to take a number of steps in the marriage, and it didn't appear like he was going to be doing that at first. So there's an example where I, as a pastor, knew something about him that she didn't know that I felt necessary because in the marriage, he promises to be faithful to her and that includes being honest with her. I'm kind of looking at a number of movies these days that are really kind of interesting. Um, one I just found because my worship service Thursday night was canceled because of the weather. So I saved having to go over 200 miles in a round trip, but I didn't like that. I would have preferred to go, but because of where the location was, there was such a thread of ice and snow that the leaders of the congregation felt that hardly anybody would show up because many of them lived on rural areas where the roads weren't properly salted. So they canceled the worship service. I therefore went ahead and, well, what can I see on, I, I, I look at YouTube. I haven't turned my television on in about four months. I can't think of a time I have because YouTube has wonderful series of stories and the one that I ran into is called Heartbeat. It's, again, a story about a, a village, I think, in England. And the police are quite a bit involved. It's very well done. I, I was really pleased with watching some of them because the problems that occur in the village are such that can occur in any marriage, etc. There was quite a bit of fornication and adultery, but there were consequences to this. Uh, some people even got murdered over it. Heartbeat, well written and kind of something that I enjoyed watching because when I watch a movie, I was reading, I think it was Consumer Reports, about there are many people who can't sleep at night. And of course, that's because they have things on their mind. And one of the things they said is don't go to bed 
just after you watch a movie about murder. That was actually said in Consumer Reports. Well, I totally disagree with that because as I lay down in my bed and to get myself sleepy, I kind of go over what the movie had done and try and think, what would I as a pastor, what would I have done in that situation? I kind of enjoy thinking about that. And before long, I've fallen asleep. So each person is different as to what keeps them awake where they can't fall asleep. In marriage counseling, therefore, your goal is to make sure that they are properly being married. I've had some couples come in and the woman is pregnant out of wedlock. The parents are insisting that they marry. And in some cases, the woman wants to marry him, but he doesn't want to marry her. But he's willing to marry her because of the child. That's a recipe for disaster when he really doesn't love her. And he's got to make promises about his love that he simply doesn't have. And so that really needs to be talked about. Now, there was one woman who said, well, if I don't marry him, I will have an abortion. So I spent time talking to her about how that was going to drastically affect her future life as she came to realize that she had murdered her own child. So we talked about adoption, and that's what happened in that situation, where she had the baby, he did not want to really marry her, so she allowed the child to be adopted. Now that does cause some problems. Many adopted children want to find out who the real parents were, and they try and seek them out. Uh, others just maybe going into a family where other children who are there, where they have arguments all the time, and, and so they're not really children that were born. They were children that were adopted. God's plan for marriage is pretty simple. People need to be truly in love with each other and not an erotic love, but an agape love where they're willing to give in to what they used to believe this is the way things should be. And so there's a lot of compromise in every marriage. The husband is the head of the household, but that's understood in a way where the husband is to be one that takes care of the wife and helps her to have a happy life. When we say that he's the one that God puts in charge, we're not saying that he has to make all the decisions. The only decisions that a Christian husband makes are those that are found in the Bible. So for example, when they have a baby, the husband 
should want the children baptized. The wife obeys and the children are baptized. And that's not hard because many wives want the children baptized anyway. But then let's say they're going to paint their house inside. He wants one color, she wants a different. Well, there, there's nothing biblical that says she has to follow the color he wants. They discuss it and they come to a compromise where hopefully he wouldn't mind the color that she wants in order to have a pleasant marriage. That's the kind of, I don't even like calling it counseling because a lot of these couples don't need that kind of counseling. They just need advice and warnings about what will happen if they keep secrets from one another. And therefore, people who are getting married, I would encourage that the pastor meet with them individually at first to see if they have anything they haven't told their future spouse with in, in order that there be a clean record and like that woman in the movie doesn't get angry at her husband because she founds, finds out he was in jail for three years and she had no idea about it. That can impact a marriage. And so marriage counseling is something where a pastor, in a sense, is using discipline in the sense of making disciples of these people for a proper marriage. So, though promise keepers, and I would not advise going there because they don't properly divide law and gospel, you'll hear on Monday our next Bible study, and that will be a study about law and gospel on one of the texts for the following Sunday. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. Thanks so much for listening. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.